0: amen so we are in acts 27 we've been in acts since i got here i've been here about a year and a half we've been in acts and uh we, we've gone this is kind of the third stint of it so we haven't gone just you know and some of you are like how long is acts you know like i get it you know uh we've got three weeks left i'm gonna do 27 28 and then and then one more week on the eighth and uh and, and kind of where we've been now the last several weeks is we've been following Paul around and his journeys, essentially to get him to Rome. And, uh, and, and today's no different. What we, we're going to experience is we're going to be kind of brought in on one of Paul's shipwreck experiences. We're going to see, uh, you know, he's on the Mediterranean Sea. He, the, the ship is run aground. And, and I think we can glean a lot of good truths from this text and and the first thing that i really want us to to wrestle with and be reminded of is that god is sovereign over the storms of life now uh, here's what i mean by that first of all you know I, i want us we're going to look at the text in just a minute to see that god is sovereign over the particular storm that that paul is in but i want us to on the backdrop of this whole message just understand that God is sovereign now we here preach a high view of God's sovereignty we believe God is sovereign over all things there's not a leaf that blows across the ground that God is not in control of that he is in control and sovereign over all that we know all that is and we believe that this is the greatest hope for us as believers and particularly it means that no matter what we go through in life no matter what storm comes in our life that it's not arbitrary it's not accidental there is nothing that can outpower god that god is over all and 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 his hand is over all now there's some mystery to it because obviously a lot of people well-meaning individuals um, claim that there are things that god is not in control over that he's not sovereign over because they want to get him off the hook for sin and evil uh, here's what I want you to understand. We hold the scripture with the mystery that God is sovereign over all things and he's not guilty of sin or evil. And, and so some of how that all works together, we'll never know until heaven may never know. But we know that we hold what the Bible says is true, that he is sovereign and, and, and rules over all. Uh, you know, I, I, I think this is the greatest hope for believers. You know, I, I saw a well-meaning um, and this happens all the time. Well-meaning pastors, well-meaning preachers, especially things like, like funerals will say that this is not a, a part of God's plan. But that runs contrary to the scriptures that say things like he has numbered our days. How could he have numbered our days and yet been surprised by them cutting, being cut short? No, God has numbered our days. When we die, it's not a surprise to God. He has ordained those days. Uh, He has has set those in motion, and and we live according to those days. He he is sovereign over it. But a lot of well-meaning individuals will come and say, hey, this isn't a part of the plan of God. Again, trying to get God off the hook. But I think it brings no comfort at all to a mourning family because it means that something was stronger than God, that God got caught slipping. (laughs) that that he maybe wasn't looking one day and your loved one died and oh man god forgot to save them or 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 heal them right no god is in control he's he's sovereign over those things and i think it gives the most glory to god and the most comfort to us when we are mourning to or going through hard things knowing that my suffering my pain everything that goes on in life nothing is arbitrary Uh, nothing is accidental it all as romans 8 says works all things work for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose so god is sovereign over all things and he's good we trust that he's good we know all things doesn't mean all things are good but it means that he is sovereign over all things and will work them for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose to his purpose, and so that kind of lays the backdrop across what we're going to be studying today in Acts twenty-seven, with Paul encountering the storm, knowing that God is sovereign and, and good, that He's in control of uh, of all things, and knowing that the storms of our own life, we have the opportunity then to cling closely to Him and to give Him the praise and glory that He deserves, even when things aren't going that well. Uh, th- this runs countercultural to. Many uh, theology and doctrines you may have heard of, like that, that say that if you're a Christian, everything's going to be great for you. You're going to be healthy. You're going to be wealthy. You're gonna, you're going to have everything you need. Um, it runs contrary to that. It, you know, it, it looks at the scope of Scripture and says every disciple, save one, was mart was martyred and killed for the faith. Um, you know, they weren't healthy and wealthy. Uh, they they were killed for their faith. And so th- there may be suffering that we endure to the glory of God, and, and it be by His hand. And that's, that's what kind of what we're going to dive into this morning. So let's start out in reading, and I'm going to break the passage that, that uh, Elder Bob read earlier uh, into, into a few segments. So let's start with 13 through 20. It says this, Now, when the south wind blew gently, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along Crete, close to the shore. Uh, but soon as the tempestuous wind Uh, called the northeaster struck down from the land and when the ship was caught and could not face the wind it gave way to it and were driven along running under the lee of a small island called cauda we managed with difficulty to secure the ship's boat after hoisting it up they used supports to undergird the ship then fearing that they would run aground on the syrtis they lowered the gear and thus they were driven along since we were violently storm-tossed they began the next day to jettison the cargo and on the third day they threw the ship's tackle overboard uh, with their own hands when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest lay on us all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned okay let's stop there for a minute Obviously, the ship is out of control. The sailors are out of control. They, they, they are in the hands of the sea here, uh, and uh, we're going to learn that they, they for 14 days they're tossed to and fro uh, uh, at sea. And I love how the text said that they didn't know that they hadn't seen sun or stars for days. Like they they uh, and remember this is. Not in the days where they had a lot of technological advances on their boat. Uh, It was probably a small vessel being tossed to them. They didn't have compasses. They, they, They would guide by the stars. They couldn't see the stars. They had no idea where they were. So they're just being tossed to and fro, uh, and they're they're, they're trying to lighten the load, they're throwing stuff over so that the edges of the boat don't catch the lip of the sea and take them under, so they're trying to make themselves lighter, but ultimately they're entirely out of control. They're doing all that they can, but ultimately they're just, they're out of control. They, 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 They have no... Uh, chance of of riding the ship for themselves here, and but here's the thing: God is in control. Uh, let, let me remind you of a couple of things that Paul has. I mean, sorry, that God has already promised to Paul. He told him that he was going to preach before the Romans. He's going to preach the gospel in Rome. He didn't tell him how he was going to get there. So, so there was a two year imprisonment in Caesarea. That now he's run a or run on a ship that's going to be shipwrecked. He didn't tell Paul this. He only told him the end. He said, "You will." preach and give glory to christ before rome that's what you're going to do so obviously this ship is not going to go under because god has a plan for paul he's not going to die on the ship god has a plan for paul and god is entirely in control Uh, so much so in fact that they drift from Caudia uh, caudia to Malta, which was a long way, but 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 this speck of an island in Malta, they end up running aground on, so that he can go from Malta to Rome. God gets Paul to Rome, uh, not the way that Paul thought he was going to get to Rome, but he got into Rome. God is in control. Now I think what we can learn from this, in particular, is oftentimes we can be uh, have storms in our life because. We're walking contrary to the will of God, meaning because of our own sin, we've brought storms into our life, right? Our own sins brought discipline. Our own sins brought consequences. We can get there. But, but oftentimes God, you, you may be walking faithfully with him and he still brings a storm in your life of some proportion for his glory and your good. That just because you walk through a difficult time in your life doesn't mean that God um, doesn't love you, that he hasn't saved you, uh, that you're not a child of God. You have, you have uh, Paul, you have Luke on, on the ship that are believers in Christ that are going through a storm just as these uh, prisoners and, 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 and other sailors were as well. No, just because you're a believer doesn't mean that God's not gonna walk, uh, walk you through a storm. But here's what we're promised, that even if he walks you through a storm, that he will never leave you. He'll never forsake you he'll be with you the entirety of the way and it's not arbitrary it's it's not pointless cancer is not meaningless death is not is not the end in and of itself you know uh, job loss or or rebellious children god will use those things for his own glory and for your own good for your own edification and growth in him and 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 the building of your own faith so God will use those things in your life. He, he, he will bring his children through storms again for his own glory and for, for our own uh, good. And, uh, and so we can take comfort of that. We can take comfort that just because we walk through a storm doesn't mean our God has forgotten us. This is our nature, though, right? Our nature is when something bad happens, to be like, where are you, God? And, and the reality is God is saying, I'm with you i'm bringing you through this i've got purpose here I, I, I this is not arbitrary or accidental i'm doing this for a reason and so for us the thing for us to begin to learn and grow in is to trust god in that to know that he is with us and he will never forsake us. To know that there's nothing outside of his hand. If something comes to our life, it, 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 it's, it, it's not like God was off duty for a moment and forgot about us. That it comes by his hand. And we can trust that our God is sovereign and good. Now, the second thing we can see here in Paul particularly is that we can publicly trust God is in control. Let's look at it. Verse 21 through 26 says since they had been without food for a long time Paul stood up among them and said men you should have listened to me and not have set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss I love that Paul basically I told you so right um just a little jab at him I don't think it was for that but it's fun to think that anyway verse 22 yet now I urge you to take heart for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of this ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of God to whom I belong and to whom I worship. And he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told but we must run aground on some island see Paul here he stands and he uh, gives an announcement to the ship and says hey guys listen we're not going to die which is you know hard to believe when you for 14 days haven't seen sun or stars they haven't eaten for 14 days they're stressed out they're filled with anxiety They're, they're, they're 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 like, what is happening here, right? And Paul stands up and says, it's okay, guys. You're not going to die. Who's this crazy guy? And, and what gives him the authority to say that our ship is going to survive the crazy Mediterranean sea storm? but he stands up there and he says listen an angel of the lord has come to me and and i knew my mission he reminded me of that that i've got to give the gospel before caesar but the good news for you guys is you're all included in this as well you're going to be saved in that your your life is not going to be lost we're going to run aground and he tells them how they're going to survive we're going to run aground and we're going to all make it the ship's going to be lost but we're going to make it to land and we're going to all be good now there's a lot of things i would think in that moment if i'm just one of the prisoners or i'm one of the sailors i'm like this guy you know has lost his mind 14 days of being tossed and fro has given this man a concussion right um and uh you know or or something like that but 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 paul or i would begin to believe it because i'm so desperate and seeing the storm around us what other hope do you have and so paul standing up there and saying take heart And specifically, he says, the God that I worship, the God that I serve, the God that I worship. See, Paul is given a public profession of Christ. Uh, amongst many non-believers in saying God will get us through this. Now, let me encourage you in this. I think there's opportunity for us as believers to, in the middle of storms in life, to publicly say we're trusting God and it worked for the glory of God and, and and for the really the spread of the gospel. And by that, I mean. Um, if in the middle of the storm and and, and all of our family and all of our friends and all of our neighbors and all of our church uh, fellow members uh, know we're walking through a storm and and we begin to say, um, I'm trusting God in this. Life is uh, in a tough spot right now, but I'm trusting God in this. When God comes through, when He provides or when He heals or or when He works in the situation in a mighty way, you can say in that moment, God has been faithful to me. He has been good to me. He has brought me through just as I have been trusting Him to do. compared to if we walk through a storm and we don't publicly acknowledge god and we don't ask for people to pray on our behalf and, and and we're just hoping to coast it out at the end of it if if god does end up providing for us or working out our situation without us publicly acknowledging him oftentimes the temptation would be to say man it was very lucky we got through that oh man it wasn't it just great fortune for us or coincidence that god has brought us through or or, uh you know or or maybe hey i did all the right things and visited the right doctors or applied to the right jobs or you know did the right things to minister to my children or whatever you see the difference in who gets glory in that moment and by us publicly saying hey life it stinks right now and we're clinging to god to be our only hope when god does provide and 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 come through for you he gets the glory he also gets the glory when he doesn't save you out of that situation imagine the testimony to the world when you're clinging to god and the storm keeps coming and the waves don't let up And life is hard again, month after month after month, year after year after year. And it just doesn't let up. But you cling to God and you say, God is my God, whatever comes in life. It's like Job who had everything stripped from him, his health, his family, his wealth, everything taken from him. And his wife comes to him and says, would you curse God and die? And Job says, no, he gives and he takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so for us to be able to cling to God in the middle of the storm is oftentimes the greatest testimony to those around us who don't know Christ when they have no hope in the middle of their storms seeing you cling to god in the middle of yours even though he keeps bringing more to you what a testimony of the goodness of god to change your heart and life in such a way that you're not demanding health and wealth and 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 good fortune in order to worship a god who deserves your worship but you're worshiping him despite those things And if he gives or if he takes away, the name of the Lord will be on your lips. The worship of God and the praise of God will be in your heart. And this is how you can say along with Paul who says in in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That doesn't mean you can score touchdowns. What that means is whatever God brings to my life, I will be content because I have him. If he gives plenty or if he takes away everything, I have him. And that's all that I need. Whether he gives health or he gives cancer, I have him, and he is all that I need. What a testimony to the world who's just tossed to and fro by every wave, worried, anxiety-filled, struggling with every storm to say, my rock is Christ, and I will not be moved. What a testimony to him and his, his goodness over us and, and the worship that he deserves. Another thing I would encourage you in Maybe many of you, likely most of you, have are, you're not going through a storm right now. You're like, that's all well and good, David, but things are pretty good for us. I've got a job. My family's healthy. We've got things that are working out for us pretty well. Here's what I want to encourage you in. I would encourage you to now. You should be clinging to Christ in, in complete dependency upon Him. When things are great, when things are well for you, because inevitably they won't be we're all getting older none of us are getting younger Uh, we're all going to experience things in life whether it be life hurts or or our health is going to deteriorate or or we're going to lose a loved one or there's going to be things that happen in our life the time to begin trusting God in the storm is not in the middle of the storm the time to begin trusting God as if a storm was coming is now Uh, I'm reminded of Proverbs 1, like in uh, 24 through 29, there's great warning on those who cling to God uh, in in the middle of desperation instead of having worshipped him all along and you know this to be true it's like the the guy who makes a deal with god when you know it's like he's about to die or something plane's about to go down god if you'll save this shit this this plane i'll worship you forever and god saves the plane they don't die and he forgets god right uh it's it's that kind of heart and soul that we want to begin to push off and say we want to run after him and hold him as who he is and worship him for who he is now we're building up our faith in all the graces that god has given us now so that when the storm does come our feet are planted on the rock the time to plant your feet on the rock is not when the storm is upon you it's now you build a foundation for your house now that can withstand the coming storm you don't build it in the middle of the storm and so we have to be a people that are clinging to god with all that we are now learning how to trust Him, even in the small things, even in the small anxieties to cast them upon Him because He cares for us. Even in the conflict with a coworker or or the little stresses of our, our, of our life or our kids or relational conflicts that, that we begin to say, I'm going I'm to cast this upon the Lord. I'm going to trust in Him in this small thing because th- those small things will build the endurance that you need when the big thing comes. To say, "Hey, I've been trusting God in the small thing. I'm going to continue to trust Him now. He's proven Himself faithful to me time and time and time again. And everything that I've brought to Him, He will be faithful again." That comes from. A, that's a lifestyle. That's not a one-time bailout. That's a lifestyle of trusting God over and over, day by day. Now let's let's read twenty-seven to thirty-seven. When the fourteenth night had come, uh, as we were being driven across the Adriatic Sea about midnight, the sailors suspected that they were nearing land. So they took a sounding and found twenty fathoms. A little farther. They took a sounding again and found fifteen fathoms. In fearing that we might run on the rocks, they let down four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship and had lowered the ship's boat into the sea under pretense of laying out anchors from the bow, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the ship's boat and let it go as day was about to dawn Paul urged them all to take some food saying today is the 14th day that you have continued in suspense without food having taken nothing therefore I urge you to take some food for it will give you strength for not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you and when he said these things he took bread and giving thanks to God in the presence of all he broke it and began to eat then they were all encouraged and ate some food themselves we were in all 276 persons in the ship and when they had eaten enough they lightened the ship throwing out the wheat into the sea okay so the angel had promised that he's going to that everyone is going to make it they're not going to die in this storm and um and that the the the, they're going to be brought through um through the storm, and so so Paul again he gives thanks for the food. He he could have just said, "Hey, they're all uh, not saved. I'm just glad God's saving me. Forget the rest of them, you know." But no, he didn't. He said, "Hey, God's saving us. Uh, I want you to know when He does save us, you need to know that it was God who in fact saved us. He's, he, there's not a hair on any of our head that is going to not be saved. We're, we're going to all make it." And, uh, and 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 then he starts doing some practical things. so so some sailors start to take one of the dinghies out they're going to bail out he says hey unless they stay we're doomed now what could have been meant by that is the sailors were trying to bail out leaving a bunch of prisoners to run a ship uh, which is probably not the best thing secondly paul encourages them to eat because they haven't eaten in 14 days and, and they would not have the strength then to get to to land A couple of things here because so often christians are characterized as people that have an illogical faith but so much of what we believe about god is 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 logical and 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 paul you see here using common means by which to get themselves to land obviously God is in control but he's saying hey we need the sailors they got to stay or we're doomed hey we need to eat we need the physical strength to be able to get to land Paul is not saying just having a faith that says hey uh, we're trusting God no matter what it's like uh, you, you've probably heard stories of people uh, who go on hikes uh, with, with particular faith. they'll get bit by a poisonous snake and they'll say oh no God's going to heal me Well, he could have. He gave the doctors the brain, the scientists the brain to to actually develop something that is an anti-venom medicine that you could have taken and been healed, but you went out and said, oh, I'm just going to pray it away. You know, no, God has given us common means for a reason, to be able to use those things to accomplish his purposes in in the world as well. And I I think he's done that here with Paul. I remember having a conversation with someone recently who was like, uh, I I was asking him about... um, Faith. I was asking about Jesus, and uh, and his answer. I, I won't forget it. His answer was, "No, I've kind of gone the way of logic." Now I didn't say this in the moment. Maybe I should have. I, I was more gracious, but I, I said, "Okay, logic. Like everything happened accidentally. Like all that we have came from nothing. Like that kind of logic." Because to me, that takes a lot of absurd faith to believe. No it makes more sense it's more logical that all that exists exists by a creator it makes more logical sense that that creator made us humanity and it makes the most logical sense that if he has made us we're accountable to him in some way that's logical that makes logical sense but to those who are blind they they don't see it that way Uh, they, they they they're blinded to the things of the truth and they think that all this happened because two rocks collided together and, and, and billions of years created everything that we know. That's ludicrous. It's more logical to believe that there is a creator and, and to hold to that. And so, so for us, we don't have just the blind faith. We, we have a very logical faith. Now, there are certainly things that we can't explain. Uh, you know, how God splits a sea, we don't know. How, how God uh, m- moves and feeds 5,000 with fish and loaves, we, we don't know how God accomplishes those things certainly there are things that we can't explain but but most of what we believe is not a blind faith it's a logical faith and most of how we accomplish the mission that God has given us is not through just some hey we're 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 praying that God does something supernatural no he's given us means to go now he has to do the work but we have the responsibility to take the means that he has given us and go a great example of this is evangelism we believe in God's sovereignty, but we don't believe that God, we, we are to sit back and do nothing and God's going to save who He wants to save. God has given us, A, the, the command, the responsibility, and the means by which to go. Therefore, we take the gospel to our neighbor, to the nation and to the nations we take an airplane we get we pay for a ticket to an airplane we get an airplane we go overseas we share the gospel we we come in an airplane and come back these are natural means that God has given us to take the gospel to places that the gospel couldn't have gotten before airplanes easily and so we we use the means that God has provided for us to do the the the, the, what he has commanded us to do Uh, another example of this is is, uh, you know, many of you are going, wanting to go, uh, and many of you are sending. Part of the natural means of taking the gospel to the world is being able to pay and send missionaries all over the world. Uh, You know, we had the great opportunity this week. You know, we have uh, Vladimir and Phoebe who who, uh, are in the Ukraine, and our church got to provide a need for them this particular week because they, they had a flooding. They were, they were doing a ministry uh, to, to, to children there, which I got this great picture. Some of you have seen this picture of a bunch of kids wearing uh, some First Boynton shirts in the Ukraine. So, so, you know, they work in an orphanage there, and a lot of the kids are wearing it. it. was just a sweet deal. And, uh, and we got the opportunity this week to just to, be, uh, 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 to help them recoup the cost on some of the things they were going to give to the children, some of their furniture stuff, uh, because they're doing the work of the Lord. now that's part of natural means that we could be a blessing to continue to propagate the gospel to the world these are some of the things that god has given us to do some of the things that you get to be a blessing of as being a part of a local body in the church and this is how god uses us some go some pray some send and the gospel spreads to the world now obviously it's god's supernatural work to convert a soul but we do the natural means of what he's given us to say, all right, you've given us these things. We're going to take advantage of them and walk in obedience to you. We're going to go. We're going to send. We're going to pray. We're going to share the gospel. This is, this is the logical steps that God has given us, the natural means by which God has given us to take the gospel to the world. Um, now i want to uh i want to go to our last point as we close and 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 i think we're going to see here that our trusting god will serve as a witness to the world i've kind of already stepped on this point a little bit but i want to close with it um with intentionality go to verse 38 i'm sorry 39 through 44 now when it was day they did not recognize the land but they noticed a bay with a beach on which they planned if possible to run the ship ashore So they cast off the anchors and left them in the sea, at the same time loosening the ropes that tied the rudders, then hoisting the foresail to the wind they made for the beach. But striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground. The bow stuck and remained immovable, and the stern was being broken up by the surf. The soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any should swim away and escape. But the centurion, and I want you to notice what happens here, but the centurion, centurion wishing to save paul kept them from carrying out their plan he ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make for the land and the rest on planks or on pieces of the ship so it was that all were brought safely to land because of paul's testimony because of paul publicly professing that god was going to save them once they did run aground as god had said and it was time to get everybody to shore they wanted to kill the prisoners so they couldn't get away but because of the favor that god had given paul with the centurion he ordered that not to happen so not only was paul not killed in that moment but all the rest of the prisoners were not killed as well and made it to to malta now According to God's providence, here are all these people on Malta that we'll talk about next week that I'm sure Paul got the opportunity to proclaim the gospel to, to teach the gospel to, and, uh, and, 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 and to continue to profess of how God had saved them and how God wants to save them spiritually, not just physically. Now, I think what we can see here over and abundantly is, is the witness that God gives Paul through the storm. And I can't hit this point enough for us that God wants to use the storm which He brings to your life for His own glory and, and for the testimony of Christ to the lost world. It, it's easy to follow God when things are really great for you. But what a testimony to the world when you worship Him when things are dire, when things are not easy when your marriage is tough when parenting is just when finances aren't what you hope they'd be what a testimony to the world of the faithfulness of god on your life that you'd worship him in the greatest of storms it is a testimony to the world and i want to encourage you that um as you trust god in those storms as you cling tightly to him, it could be your greatest, your greatest means of evangelism. Uh, do not waste your suffering. Your suffering comes by the hand of God for the purpose of his glory and your good. Don't waste it complaining. Don't waste it, woe is me. Don't waste it grumbling against God. Let God use that storm to His glory to everyone around you. I'm reminded of, I want to close with the story about John Wesley. John Wesley was a, you know, a renowned pastor, preacher. And, um, and he, at one point in his life, in, uh, in 1735... He sails from, from England to, to um, um, America and he's coming to have a, a, a preaching pastoral ministry. And on his way in a ship uh, across the ocean, they hit a storm and, uh, and John Wesley starts freaking out he's really worried he's really anxious uh he he thinks that uh that he's gonna die and so he's he's really just stressed out he, he he's he's you know not calm and not 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 uh under control he's he's just kind of freaking out and uh there's some german moravians which uh, believers on, on on the ship that were are just the waves are tossing the wind is blowing and, and, and they're just kind of almost stoic in the middle of the storm and Wesley kind of goes to them he's like what is wrong with you guys don't don't you know that we we could die and the Moravians just ask John do you know Jesus are you a Christian do you believe in God and Wesley of course at that point said yes of course I believe in God well then they said well then he's going to carry us through or not he's in control Wesley gets to America his ministry in Georgia was essentially a failure and uh, he he chalks it off as a failure I mean everything just didn't go as he wanted it to go He, he ends up having another conversation with a different Moravian who's just encouraging him in the gospel he goes back to England and um it is there he's sitting under the 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 preaching of a sermon uh that that's really that's being read from a uh from a uh a a spurgeon sermon uh, i'm sorry not a spurgeon sermon uh from a luther sermon and uh and, and 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 so it's under the reading of this luther sermon that he that he believes he came to faith and this is what he said this is dated in his journal May 24th 1738 he says in the evening I went very unwillingly to a society of Aldergate Street where one was reading Luther's preface to the epistle to the Romans about a quarter before nine when he was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ I felt my heart strangely warmed I felt it did trust in Christ." Christ alone for salvation and an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. Here's John Wesley who thought he was a Christian and used the, the faith and trust in God of the Moravians in the middle of a crazy storm to help him to understand that maybe he did not have a faith in Jesus. Jesus. Maybe he just had a cultural understanding of God. Maybe he was just doing what his parents had kind of pushed him to do. His family had kind of pushed him to do. Maybe he was just going along with what everybody else did or what he thought made him right with God. But he realized that he had a surface level of faith and he wasn't saved. And it was in this moment of this preaching that God revealed to him that, that he needed Christ. Not in a a superficial or shallow way. He needed salvation from his own sins. And Wesley gave his life to Christ. And if you know Wesley's ministry, he he goes on to, to be used of God in great and powerful ways in preaching and pastoral ministry. And God saved him. But he used some faithful Moravians in the middle of a storm to show Wesley his faith wasn't what it should be in a sovereign god his faith was so temperamental based on his own feelings his his faith was utterly non-existent when it really mattered and he used the faithful witness of believers now church a couple of points of encouragement to us how incredible of a witness It is to the world for us to have our feet planted in the middle of whatever storms come and and stay there. And trust in God. And, And to echo Job to say he gives and he takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That we believe our God is sovereign and our God is good that he's sovereign, that there's nothing that comes to our life that is not by his hand. There's not a leaf that blows across the ground that is not in his control, that he is sovereign over all things. Testament to that is the fact, and we're gonna take the Lord's Supper and remember the crucifixion of Christ this morning. He was in control of the crucifixion of Christ. Acts 4 says it was according to his plan and predestination that Christ was crucified. So the greatest evil to ever Happen in the world was according to the plan and predestination of god so you don't think he's sovereign over your job situation you don't think he's in control of your health that relational conflict Th- there is nothing that god is not sovereign over and the other the flip side of that coin that brings us great comfort is we know that he is good and that he works all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. If he was sovereign over all things and evil, we would have great fear and trepidation of being under the hand of, uh, 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 of this evil God. But he is not evil. He is good. And so we can have great comfort knowing that anything that comes, it's not arbitrary or accidental. It is by his hand. It is to accomplish a purpose. So we don't waste our suffering. We don't waste our cancer. We don't, race, we don't, we don't waste our relational conflicts. We, we don't waste our financial issues. We don't waste our rebellious children. We, we, we cling to Christ and we give him glory in the middle of every storm so that the watching world may know we have a hope that's higher than theirs. What a great testimony to a watching world. And what a great hope and comfort to us knowing that our God is in control of all things take hope that whatever storm he brings to you he will walk with you through it and 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 as Shadrach, meshach and abednego said to the king he said god may save us the, from this fire but even if he do, does not if we are killed by the fire he'll be with us he'll save us by it And so if the storm comes and he saves us from it glory be to god if the storm comes and that's what takes us glory be to god may yes, give him the praise that he deserves and on and, and is worthy of. Now, let me give you some specifics about what we're about to do. We're going to take the Lord's Supper. And again, no greater uh, testimony of God's sovereignty and goodness in the crucifixion of Christ. That's what we're about to remember. Um, a couple of notes. One, we practice open communion here, which means this. You don't have to be a member of this church to take communion with us. Um, so if you're visiting or if you're a member with another church, um, you, you know, or, or, or you're just, you know, you you've started coming, but you're not yet a member. You can take communion with us. You're welcome to take communion with us. However, the second thing is you must be a believer. Uh, this is a symbol for believers. Maybe you grew up in church context where you took communion, whether you wanted to or not. Um, we think that's a, a scripturally dangerous um, to your own spiritual well-being so we would caution you and say for you not to take it um and and just to just don't come up here we're used to that you're not going to be judged for not coming up here Uh, matter of fact we encourage you to stay seated if you're not a believer Um, and, and we hope you keep coming back we hope you keep uh, growing in your understanding of the gospel, and we pray that God saves you. Uh, but ultimately, this is for those who have trusted in Christ, in, in His body that was broken for us, His blood that was poured out for us. We, that is our only hope, to stand rightly before God. So the symbol is for believers only. If you've got kids in here, and they're not yet believers, don't let them take. Uh, my daughter was in the last service. Uh, my son got to take. My daughter didn't take. Uh, and uh, it's a great opportunity for us as parents uh, to continue to to teach the gospel to our children. Uh, so, um, you know, don't feel the peer pressure from your own children to take communion. Uh, it is best for them to be explained the gospel uh, in, in, this, in these times. Now, some particulars. Uh, I have gluten-free in this basket right here, gluten-free bread. You'll still get juice from the tray, but there's gluten-free bread in that basket right there. Um, it's double-cupped. So you're going to come in and you're going to take two cups. They're, they're stacked on one on top of the, another. The bread is underneath the juice. So you come. Don't touch 10 cups. Just touch the one. Pick it up. Um, I would ask that there be a little bit of a sensitivity to because, um, and, and just having conversations this week with people in our church, people outside of our church. Uh, obviously, there, there's an uptick in um, in COVID in our. In our area, I would just ask that you be sensitive to those who may be worried about that, and do your best to social distance as you come. Uh, okay, and, and again, not touch twenty cups. Just take yours and go. And um, and, and so what you're going to do is you're going to exit your section, left your left, come down to the table in front of your section, and then go back up uh, to your right side of that section and come in your seat. Okay, so you just make a little loop and come back in and and, and sit down. Okay um we're going to do a little differently than we normally do you're going to come i'm going to pray the band's going to come up they're going to play a little instrumental uh for a moment you're going to you're going to come up take and sit take a few moments to examine your heart before the lord and i'm going to come up and lead us in in taking together and then the band is going to sing a song we're going to worship with okay so it's a little bit of a shift than we've been doing uh not much of one but you may not even notice but uh just kind of let you know what's going to happen all right so i'm gonna pray and then after i pray y'all come on down okay let's pray together father we love you and um again praise you god for your goodness your grace on us that you are sovereign and you are good and we come to the table today knowing that our God is both sovereign and good and sovereign over the, the greatest evil to ever happen on our planet and yet we worship every Easter on the Friday before and we called it Good Friday because not only was it the greatest evil to ever take place the slaying of the Son of God but it worked out for the greatest good for humanity, that God made a way for sinners to be saved. What a great testimony of your sovereignty and your goodness. You didn't have to do that. There was no one twisting your arm to save humanity, but you set your love on us before the foundations of the world and you abundantly poured out your grace and mercy for us through Jesus on the cross. And so, Father, as we come to the table and we take of the bread and the juice, that we would remember that our God is in control. And there is no one who can thwart the plans of our God. There's no scheme of man. There's no way in us not even in our own selves, that can remove us from your hand. You are sovereign and you are good. And may we just remember that, that our God is good both now and eternally, and we will forever worship the goodness and greatness of our God. May we remember and worship you for who you are and for what you've done. In Christ's name we pray. Amen church you go ahead and come